horrible writer. She would write home to her mom and her mom would write back. That takes time. When we were on the base, there was one computer. One computer. The people, it was in a climate-controlled building just by itself. Nothing else in there. Nobody was allowed to go in there unless you actually had permission to go in it. And if you didn't save your material that you were putting into the computer every 10 minutes, you were prone to lose it. Because that's how bad it was. Today, it's totally different. Everything, Ben Buckter can call us if he wants to, right from where he is. We can Skype him. Every uh, missionary has their own computer. I studied by lamplight at nighttime with my Bible and my strong concordance because at 10 o'clock the lights went off. There weren't any... Um, yeah, all of a sudden I lost what those things are you make from the sun. Uh, solar panels, thank you. Wow, I lost that one in my head. But anyway, there weren't any solar panels and batteries so you could have a light when everything else went off. Technology is not a bad thing. If you are a farmer, you use technology every day. If you work at any kind of a manual labor type job, whether it's driving truck or anything else like that, or a mechanic, you are using technology every time you turn a wrench or a steering wheel or anything else. This morning, all kinds of technology are going on while we sit here. Those pews didn't make themselves and God didn't create pews. This microphone was not one of God's creations. It was something man did. One of the things that I'd like you to consider as we enter into this is a verse from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. has nothing whatsoever to do with technology, but it has to do with the principle. The principle is that there were men in Issachar who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. Now, these were people that gathered themselves to David even before he was a king because they knew God had designated him. They were ahead of their times. They understood what was going on. Part of what I will hope that would happen in the next two weeks is that we would get a grasp of what is going on around us. Not close our eyes, not get addicted to it and fall headlong and get lost in what is going on, but to have discernment in everything that is going on. The second passage, the one I ask you to turn to, is one that most of you know. You may have memorized it. But it says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Does technology fit in there? Does electronic technology fit there? The answer is absolutely. It says, on the other hand, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. In other words, whatever you do is to be a positive kind of thing. That doesn't mean you're not against some things, but it is to have a positive approach. You're not just doing it for headlines, not just doing it so you get noticed or not doing it in an evil, wicked or sinful way. Because the, the writer says, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but for the profit, the good, the benefit of everyone. 
so that they might be saved. You see, the end result of what we do in our lives should always be for the glory of God. And it should be that no one can turn around and say of that Christian, you know what, I'd be a Christian except that for Christians. You know what? I know that's said. I hear it all the time. But it shouldn't be of you. That includes how you act, of course, but it also has to do with how you interact with the world around us. Somebody asked me, you are going to give us a definition of technology. You might find this to be interesting. I hope you do, because I believe it's a good definition. It is human activity. We're not talking about, and by the way, Joe said, I was looking for a song to go along with electronic technology and electronic media. I think he picked a good one. I tried to pick the songs. We talked about God's glory. So we're not talking about God's creation. That's a whole other subject. We talked about that months ago in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. But we're talking about something different today. We're talking about human activity, human invention, human creativity. We'll see that. That transforms the things that God has created for practical end purposes. If you're a dog lover, you probably like certain breeds of dogs. They didn't happen by accident. If you like a green yard uh, lawn, it doesn't happen by accident. Use technology over and over again. Use seeds that were particularly grown for your soil. And you use things you put on it to kill the weeds and to encourage growth. That's all technology. The pews you sit in, as I mentioned, are part of technology. The loudspeakers that you hear and the tape player and the computer that we use here, all of those things are a part of technology. They are that that God has made possible in us that we've taken his creation and made it into something useful and practical. And we continue on. So let's look, and we're right now into the uh, outline on the back of that booklet. That uh, Not the outline in the back. The My first sermon outline. I'm sorry. Uh, we're on my first sermon outline there. That it says there, Technolog- technological ability comes from God. You go, are you sure about that? I've seen what technology has done to this world. Are you sure it's from God? The answer is, I am absolutely sure. Technology itself is from God. How do I know that? He created us in His image and likeness with the ability to desire. That is, we want to do something easier, faster, quicker, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, The ability to think. And the ability to willfully act in a creative way. God gave us that ability. The ultimate inventor, the ultimate creator is obviously God. He created everything from nothing. You cannot do that. That's not technology. That's pure creation. We take what God created and turn it and use it. As you'll see through this sermon Uh, This is not something that is uh, something pie in the sky and it's based on nothing. It's absolutely based on biblical principle. For example, 
Uh, Mike Snavely and I visited the Gutenberg uh, Museum. Now, this is a replica of that. uh, That's actually the United States, but it looks exactly like that picture. You know what? It took uh, forever to just get a page printed. Today, with a little printer that you have in your house, you can do way more than they could do. You can do in five minutes or less what it took them all day to do. And that doesn't even include setup time. The point is, it's really, really different than where it started. And that was in 1440. It changed the way we study the Bible. It changed the way the world communicates. It's one of the inventions, movable type, by the way. Uh, The printing press was around before that, but movable type for the first time changed the way the Bible is disseminated. The first book that was printed was the Bible. Unfortunately, within two generations, that same press was printing pornography. You see, that's unfortunately what happens. I don't know if you know Johnny Hart, but he... Uh, used to, when he was alive, printed uh, the BC comics and that Una wheel or whatever uh, the, his character was on. You would go, we laugh at that and we say, oh, isn't that funny? By the way, Johnny Hart, I believe, was a Christian. I don't know if he's born again, but he absolutely had a Christian point of view. And he, he did that in his comic strips. The point is, that's technology, by the way, being able to draw drawing and making a picture. That didn't, that's not a creation of God. That is a human invention. Then, a whole long time later, uh, a kid went into their uh, second childhood, and I had an RX-7, which about five years ago I got rid of, because I knew that pastors should never get caught for speeding or doing stupid stuff, and it was time to get rid of it, okay? Because I would go around, not with my wife with, of course, round a cloverleaf, and I'd have to slow down to merge with traffic. Uh, You're not supposed to do those things. But the truth of the matter is, a wheel is an invention, It can be used for good or bad. If you look at this, you probably were later than the time of the uh, first phonographs that basically just were a a megaphone, and then the old radios, and then there was the TV, and then the transistor radio, which took one-way mass communications in a personal manner. Because now you can walk around with this little thing on in your ear. And that was a big deal. Remember when it was a big deal if you had your own transistor radio and you'd get one AM station and maybe it had FM? You know what? Now, you can have all of those things and two-way communication and headphones. And you can totally change what is going on. You see, in the beginning, if you wanted to listen to the radio, you had to sit right there. And if the whole family wanted, there was only one, so everybody had to be together. Now, what I see is, I'm not anti these things, it's just that you can isolate yourself. Technology indeed changes how we act. Technology is not neutral, never has been, never will be. You think about it. The only telephone we have, the, like the one on the bottom there, is in our hallway for decoration. My wife, is the older she gets, the more she likes antiques. So we have one of those for, for a decoration. But you think about it. This is two-way communication. Then there was a computer. Then there's the laptop. And now everything's on a smartphone. 
And you can do everything you can think of and a bunch more than you could on all the other things put together. It's not bad. It's just we need to be careful. In fact, is I don't want to do without my cell phone, even though my wife says I never charge the thing. Um, I try to keep it, keep it charged. But the truth of the matter is, as we go through all of these things, God created us in his likeness. He is a creative God who interacts with the world he created. We have the ability, because we are in his image and his likeness, and we have been commanded by God to, sorry, I went one too far, uh, to interact with the world around us. We were told to rule and subdue the world. That means God has made us governors of the things around us. And so it's okay to have 200 and some breeds of dogs. It's okay to invent a pew or a building or a computer. It's okay to do those things. God gave us that ability, but he expects us to use it properly in a good, right, and proper way. Unfortunately, just like the printing press printed the Bible and then printed Canterbury's Tales and then almost immediately start printing pornography, technology from the very beginning. Remember, the first technology that I know of in the Bible was God killed two animals and made uh, clothing for Adam and Eve when they sinned. That's a good thing. It was a symbol of the redemption that would come through Christ. But almost immediately, notice what it says in Genesis chapter 4. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Notice, he wasn't willing to deal with his sin. And so he ran away from God. And the legacy of his family, and I've reduced it down for purposes this morning. I reduced it down to look at the whole thing that he and his family became the first that used technology to replace dependence on the Lord and repentance. Because indeed, technology, uh, you can find a couple of good uses and you can find 10 bad uses for it. So nothing wrong with tents and livestock and those types of things. Nothing wrong with musical instruments. We use them all the time. And notice, they were forgers of implements of bronze and iron. All this stuff that the world teaches that there was a bronze age and an iron age, they, they were all simultaneous. They had a lot more smarts than we do. They didn't have all the technology. But guess what? Even in Cain's day, three generations after him, they were forging in iron and bronze. Those are advanced technologies. But they were there from the very beginning. We need to understand that these things uh, are really, really important. God gave us the ability and we can use them but we can also very much abuse them. Sinful and rebellious ends are always what is lurking as soon as something gets used. I'll tell you what, when you're in pain, it is really nice to have some happy pills, okay? Or a happy shot in your knee, I found that out. But an hour and a half, four hours later, my knees felt so much better I could actually walk again. But I'll tell you what, 
I just last night was watching something on TV and it was about people taking these same technologies and using them to basically pickle their brains and ruin their lives. You know what? It's all there. It has to do with how we approach the whole thing. And we absolutely do need to do that. Think about this. Canaan and his crew are not the only ones that use that. Not too much longer after that, God told them to scatter around the world. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to build a city and a tower. You know it as Babel. Guess what they did? They took the technology of the day and they made bricks and they burned them thoroughly. So these were not sun-dried bricks. These were hard bricks like we know. And they were almost indestructible. Nothing's indestructible, but they were close to that. And they built a city and they built a tower that said, this tower is going to go the whole way to heaven. You see, they took technology, which they could have built houses where God told them to go. But instead, what do they do? They do it in defiance of what God had told them to do. We need to keep it in mind that anything that can be used for good can also be used for bad. So I'm not anti-technology, but I absolutely am for the godly use of technology. Their, Their whole thing is we will make a name for ourselves. Cain went out for the presence of the Lord. We're going to make a name for ourselves. Notice the rebellion and the sinful attitude against God. Technology was used in the Old Testament and the New Testament Gospels and right up into the very end of the Bible. I don't have time to go into all of those things, but let's just take the Old Testament case of Ezra. Ezra had a book. By the way, it doesn't necessarily look like this. It simply means something that could be recorded. Could have been a scroll, could have been a sheet of paper, could have been a book. We don't know exactly what it was, but because the word doesn't tell us that. It just says he had something written down. Well, guess what? That's technology also. You see, something written, whether you write it with a pencil, or you chisel it in a stone, or it's digital on a computer, that's technology. It's not bad. I believe everybody in here can read and write. Those are all results of technology. Ezra studied the Word of God so that he could turn around and practice it and then teach it to Israel. This is Ezra and Nehemiah. If you come Sunday nights, you'll have heard a bunch of this because we just went through Ezra and we're almost done with Nehemiah. And it continues on when we get to Nehemiah that uh, after they were done with the work, Ezra came to the town square with the book. And now he's going to teach the people. And what did they do? They built a wooden podium. And they put it on a wooden platform. Those are all technologies. God didn't create platforms. He didn't create books. He wrote one, but he didn't create the books. Point is... They use technology. You could go down through uh, all of them. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, they used technology to capture the people and to kill the people and to do all those kinds of things. When we get to Jesus, he went into the synagogue and he did what everybody else would do. He worshiped there. But a synagogue is not a God-created thing. It's a building that people 
used. Jesus also, when he needed to teach people and it was so crowded that he couldn't hardly move, what did he do? He went in a boat, pushed it out from shore a little bit, give him some breathing room. You know what? Boats were not created in the six days. That's technology. Jesus had no problem using technology. By the way, he had no problem using the Roman roads, the the, the Apostle Paul or any of the other uh, apostles in the New Testament. All of these things are things that are part of technology. In fact, as the Apostle Paul, uh, when he was um, going from place to place, he stayed with Priscilla and Aquila and helped them make tents. He was a tent maker. He provided his own means of support by making tents. Again, it's technology. When he wanted to go from place to place, he would get on a commercial ship and go from place to place. In fact is, even in his ministry, he saw an altar to an unknown God. That definitely wasn't created by God. And he took that altar and said, hey, what you do in ignorance, let me tell you the truth. You see, he wasn't afraid of what was going on around him. He absolutely took it and used it for good for his glory. So it doesn't matter if it's uh, the Greek language or Roman roads or pagan altars or Jewish synagogues or Roman laws, remember, laws are not those weren't given by God. They were something that man put together and wrote down. He said, "Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You hit me, you're in big trouble." You see, they were not afraid to use the technology of the day. They were like the men of Issachar, who understood the times. That's my encouragement this morning, that we look at things the way we ought to. We look at them very much the way God wants us to see them. Um, I forgot to do those. Okay, next point. Technology is never truly neutral. It changes the means to the end and sometimes even the end result. You go, hold it a second. And this is what I always believe, so this is new to me. I never thought about this until I was studying for this. Um, It was brought to my attention. We usually think technology, okay, it's a neutral kind of thing and it can be used for good or bad. That's partly true. But here's what I do know. The technology itself even changes the way we act. I've lived long enough to know what it's like not to have indoor plumbing. It changes the way you act. I used to tell my wife, you learn, maybe that's too gross, but anyway, if, if you have to go outside, you learn how to hold it. Okay, now it's nice and warm. You can go in the bathroom anytime you want. In fact, we've got a heater in our bathroom. You know what? It's different. It changes what you do. It really does. All those kinds of things. For example, most of us, well, I don't because my phone won't do it, but uh, we use texting. Texting, my wife and I disagree sometimes on this, is texting is a good thing. I mean, it gets short information transferred to the next person very quickly, except that it takes out a personal interaction. It can very easily use for the wrong purposes. I know I have to deal with the end result of texting used for illicit purposes. I have to deal with that on a regular basis because it takes out that human emotional 
interaction. Oh, it's quicker, but it sacrifices personal relationship. An email, it gets across information, and it's different than texting. And sometimes it takes out the personal interaction. But on the other hand, emails have absolutely saved me a number of times. Because I can go back and say, no, this is exactly what you said, because right here it is. Ask Hillary Clinton uh, how that all works. You know what? The point is, while it takes away some things, it also adds other things. By the way, texting can do the same thing. Remember the days when people would sit on their front porch because it was hot inside? Not anymore. It changes the way we act and interact with our neighbors because we sit inside in the air conditioning. See, technology can change the way we act. The means to the end. Both of them keep you cool. How about GPS? I've used it a few times. You know what? You sit in your air-conditioned car and you go and that thing tears you around in circles. I think that's the last time Faye and I used it. It took us around in circles. And so I don't think I've used it since that. I might have, but I can't remember. But it used to be you had to stop and ask directions. Interaction with other people. You know what? I am thankful That on this Sunday morning and every Sunday morning, there are preachers on the radio. There are preachers on TV. They're teaching the truth. Some of them are not. They're on your computer 24 hours a day. I'm glad for all of those things. We have means to an end beyond anything that the apostles could have ever imagined. But if you think technology replaces human interaction and fellowship like we're having here, you're dead wrong. See, if you're shut in and you can't get to church, praise the Lord. And lots of people have told me this. They like to listen to Charles Stanley. They wouldn't miss Charles Stanley for the world. But it's not because that's their church. It's because that's the best they can do. Because they'd rather be here. I know, because I talk to them. The point is this. Technology can be used for the sake of technology. If we say, I was talking to uh, Steve Brock. We could say, hey, we have enough technology, we can give the gospel to Japan. We could have said that to Lindsay also. Hey, we can put it on the computer, and most Japanese people have a computer, and they can hear the gospel. But that does not take the place of a warm human body face-to-face with somebody presenting the gospel. It just doesn't do that. There's an exchange that goes on every time technology is used. It just is the way it is. Walking is a good thing, but when I see teenagers walking today, they're all in their own world. they got their earbuds in and their earphones on, and they're looking at the thing, and they run into stuff. You know what? They're walking together, but it's not the same as when my brothers and I walked or rode our bike someplace. We actually interacted with each other. I know people text in their own house, you know, and their own same room. I don't understand that, but it takes away... Technology is simply not neutral. Keep that in mind. Does it have advantages? Absolutely. Absolutely does. On the other hand, it never replaces human interaction. For example, it says very clearly in the Bible that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That is not the same as looking up Bible verses on Bible Gateway. You can get 52 versions of the Bible, I know, because I'm teaching my Sunday school class, and I looked it up. There's 52 versions of the English Bible on Bible Gateway. 
all for free. You can get them 24 hours a day as long as you have a hookup. Man, that's great. eSword, you can download it on your computer, and even if you don't have a hookup, you can look it up. But it's not the same as sitting in a Sunday school class where you interact with someone else and have fellowship together. We need to understand. It used to be that people played games and you had to sit at the same table. And you actually had to look at them and interact with them. Now, you can do it around the world on a computer screen or a, 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 a smartphone. Is it the same? Well, you're still playing a game, but it changes the way you play a game. It's not simply neutral. Nothing is. Everything changes uh, as we go. There are so many things that uh, are different. I already showed you this, but these are one mass communications. They changed the world without a doubt. They changed the world. Thomas Edison got us started in that direction, and it just continued on. Presidents could... could get out the word. In fact, is the one in the bottom there is the first political debate, I believe, that was, tran- uh, was uh, transmitted by TV. It was um, um, Nixon and Kennedy. I believe that was the first one. Now, you can have them all 24 hours a day. It just changes it. Technology, as I already mentioned, can be used for great good or great evil. Think about this. You ever think of the gun as technology? Gun changed a whole lot of things. Because up until that time, if you really wanted to kill somebody, you could shoot an arrow at them and you could do that. But that's very, very limited. But basically, battles were fought when you were so close, you could see the whites of that guy's eye. In fact, as you could touch them, the end of your spear or the end of your sword. The gun changed war. The gun changed hunting. You had to really have some skill. Now you can 300 yards away and you could drop a buck. It's just the way it is. The gun changed criminal activity because now a little scrawny guy could go into an auditorium and wipe out people almost at will. It also changed law enforcement because now the bad guys could be brought down. You see, the gun changed a whole lot of things. Technology has always been used for godly and productive purposes, but it's always used by the bad guys, those that are godless and don't want to depend on God very quickly. In fact, is when you look at the Bible, God used technology uh, over and over again. Sometimes he used it in very different ways. For example, uh, when they fought Jericho, they had pitchers and, and torches, you know, and the walls fell down. Those are both technologies. God used them. God used uh, other things, and he also gave Israel victory in spite of the technology used against them. For example, in um, Saul and Jonathan's day, the Israelites did not have the technology to sharpen implements of agriculture, nor to make swords and spears with iron tips. Remember later, it's a big deal that Goliath had a spear tipped with iron. Because the Philistines had that. 
Guess what? According to 1 Samuel, there was no blacksmith in Israel. And if they wanted to sharp their hoes or their, their um, farming equipment, they had to go to the Philistines. It put them at a big disadvantage. In fact, as it says that only Jonathan and uh, Saul had swords. I believe that means swords of iron. They would have had some other swords and things like that. But they were at a disadvantage. Technology was used against the people of God, but also God used that uh, in their defense also. I thought this next uh, slide was informative as well as humorous. Here's how we view technology. You may change it slightly. I put a few different time frames in here. Any invention before your time, it's normal. You don't know any different. All of us think of... uh, Cars is a normal thing, or TVs is a normal thing. Any invention from birth to 30, 40 years old are exciting and creative. I put 30 in there. But nonetheless, it's like, wow, this is new. This is my generation. We invented this, and isn't this wonderful? You think about when you see our young people today, most of you are older, you see our young people, and they are so into the electronic technology, and we go, what the world? You know, this is still weird to us. But to them, it's exciting. Inventions after you're 40 are going to bring ruin to civilization. (laughs) You know what? I'm way over 40, and I have thought those thoughts. One last one. Inventions after you're 40 that last for more than 10 years gradually become normal and turn out to be all right. When used correctly, of course. You know what? It's really interesting how we approach the subject. Do I believe we need to approach it with fear and trembling? In the good sense, yes. Because anything that is new needs to be evaluated. We need to see where it fits and how it fits. Because there are some good uses for it, and then there are some uses that just simply waste time. That's my next sermon of how do we deal with this. Right now I'm teaching a Sunday school class, and I call it Personal Bible Study E-Version. In the past, I would teach this class and use a big old strong concordance. They're 10 bucks a piece. They're cheap, $9.99 actually. And you know what? You had to have one of those if you're going to be a part of the class. And it is, I mean, it's, it's this thick and this big, and you've got to carry it around. It's like carrying a suitcase at all times. And then in the last class, I would say, oh, by the way, all of this is available on your computer. I decided, you know what? I didn't open my strong concordance since the last time I taught this class, and that's about five years ago. You know why? Because I do it all on my computer. I use strong concordance, but not the book version. So now it's all the e-version. You bring your smartphone, you bring your iPad, you bring your uh, uh, laptop computer to class, and we go from there. The point is, not good or bad. It's just absolutely different. Conclusion, technology brings new challenges to our lives as Christians. My reason for doing this series is this. I believe that our moral, ethical, and spiritual compunctions have not kept pace with our technology. And so we allow things in technology that we would never allow before electronics became a part of it. We will allow language and things in our lives that we would, have, would never allow in person. But we do that 
We would spend time with electronic things that we would never do if it was a personal interaction. A waste of time. We become rude in some ways. All kinds of things. In fact, is the New Testament apostles understood technology is a good thing, but they also understood its limitations. For example, John, when he was writing in 2 John uh, verses, verse 12, he said this, Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, technology, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. He wasn't against writing. How do I know that? He wrote the book. But he also said there are limitations to that. All technology has its positives. It does change everything. It absolutely does. But it also has its its negative things. He knew that. We should know that. Here's what I challenge you with. And this is the challenge to all of us. It is not something that we should run from, but be used with discernment. All technology, not just electronic technology. It is not something to fear or to legalistically avoid as evil. I have people tell me, I don't have a computer and I don't use email, and they act like they got a star for that. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying it comes across as, if you do that, you're less than me. I've heard that. About a whole lot of things. Sorry, I hit it too quick. It is something that should be used to the fullest for God's glory and of the eternal good of the people of this world. You see, if we have it, we should absolutely use it in a right, good, purposeful, godly way. Used otherwise, it can bring your downfall. I could stand up here for the next two or three hours and tell you how electronic technology has been the downfall of many marriages and children and communities and friends. I see it at least on a weekly basis in counseling where technology is used for a wrong reason and it brings untold hardship and separation and all kinds of disastrous ends. On the other hand, I have seen it used beautifully. We had the privilege of seeing Ben and Nikki by Skype. I think we had to use something different than Skype just a few months ago here on a Sunday evening. You couldn't have done that a few years ago, but now you can, and we keep track of them. And they can email their prayer letter here, and instead of taking weeks to get here, we can get a prayer request within almost the same time as you could pick up the phone and call someone. You see... Use rightly. It's a good thing. Why? God created us that way. He created us with that ability and expects us to use it, just like everything else, in a good, godly, and right way. Let's all stand together as we close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for all the blessings that you have given us. Thank you for making us in your image. Thank you for the things that we can use in a practical way to glorify you. And then, Lord, help us to use discernment in how we use those things. And I pray that in every way, we would do all to the glory of God, to the offense of no one, but that the world might be saved, delivered, and preserved from this world.
Lord, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to stay as we're going to be having uh, two, two uh, presentations uh, in, a few, in 15 minutes.